One, two, three. Hey, it's Rock 94.7's Terry Stevens. Um, for 22 days, up to and including Veterans Day, we've been doing our 22-day, 22 push-up challenge. Uh, every day in this country, an average of 22 vets and active duty soldiers in the U.S. Armed Forces lose their battle with PTSD and tragically lose their lives. So we're doing 22 push-ups for every day, up to and including uh, Veterans Day, to remember those we've lost and to let vets who are still struggling with PTSD know that they are not alone in that struggle. Now, during one of our push-up challenges, I ran into a guy by the name of Shane. Um, Shane served in the armed forces, and um, he told me about this organization in town uh, called the JDL, the Jonathan Daniel Luma Foundation, and they do work involving PTSD. And we have a member, uh, the president of the JDL with us, Dan Luma. How you doing today, man? I'm fine. Thanks for having me in. So, uh, Dan, tell me a bit about the JDL. What are you guys all about? The Jonathan Daniel Luma Foundation was formed after we lost our son, John. He was uh, 23 years old. We lost him last year in 2016 on May 10th. John took his own life. Uh, he was an active duty Navy corpsman. And prior to that, John was a great kid. He was in the Navy for six years. And he was very involved with the local Chive unit down in Jacksonville, Florida. John was stationed at the uh, Naval Air Station in, in Jacksonville, Florida. And through that, they promoted the, the, the PTSD awareness as well. John was pretty involved with that. Um, as I said, on May 10th, 2016, we lost John, unfortunately. And when my wife, Leslie, and I went down to the uh, Navy Memorial Service on base, um, there was a lot of eulogies for John, a lot of his friends and uh, co-workers. And John was a giving kid. Uh, he was a definition of random acts of kindness. And through that, after the memorial service, Leslie and I decided this can't end here. Um, there's so many people that need help and with, with PTSD and civilian suicide, what happens is when these individuals, these at-risk individuals, uh, get into their, uh, dark area where they can't raise their hand and ask for help. That's where we decided we need to be that vessel for these people, both military and civilian, so they can have a risk advocate, um, and, and that's what we're doing through Living Works. Uh, two of our outreach directions are suicide awareness uh, and with intervention training. Um, I will be going around the area and uh, talking about John's life, uh, both the positive and unfortunately the negatives that, that led to this, and providing training so others can help identify those at risk and help them through these tough times to get them help immediately. The other part of it is PTSD. Um, as a, as a pretty young foundation, we started middle of last year. Uh, PTSD, as you, as you stated, we lose 22 veterans a day. And that's, that's, that's terrible. That shouldn't happen. We've got to reverse that to make it zero per day. With that, we identified a lot of different things um, that we wanted to focus our uh, support, uh, both financially and volunteer support, for that cause. And for, for PTSD, we had a list of like six things we wanted to focus on with the board. Um, we've had the opportunity to go visit uh, vets suffering with PTSD, and <clears throat> one of them had a guide dog. So what we decided to do is focus all of our efforts on providing guide dogs for PTSD vets. 
what the guide dogs do is amazing. It's magical to the vets. Um, it helps them release their stress, uh, helps them provide care for a dog. And with that, it really gives them a, a great foundation of life. We researched many guide dog services throughout the country. We narrowed it down to three. Uh, we actually went and visited all of them. Uh, one was in Florida, one was in uh, Baltimore, and the other one was in Wisconsin. We narrow it down in one because if we're going to provide this kind of financial support, we want to make sure it, it's great. And we decided on, as all of them were good, we decided on the Custom Canine Service Dog Academy out of Madison, Wisconsin. And with what we're doing with them, we went down, visited them, and they provide, I think this year they were going to provide 35 to 36 guide dogs for veterans. Mm -hmm. Now, what we've learned through this whole process with guide dogs is there's about a year and a half waiting list no matter where you go. Um, and all of the vets, it's free to, to all vets. Um, all the guide dogs are free to all vets. However, it costs about twenty to 25000 per year mm -hmm. uh, to provide a guide dog for a vet through training, raising, uh, and, and all those things. Um, so at, at this year's golf fundraiser, we provided a check of $10,000 to the Custom Canine Service Dog Academy. And... Our goal is to at least provide a yearly check for this organization to get a guide dog for a PTSD vet. Those um, dog <laughs> training programs, magical doesn't even begin to describe it. It is amazing the work that they do with those dogs. Um, this isn't something... This, this isn't something you do at home just once a week. You take them to obedience training. I mean, this is a these dog raisers, these puppy raisers, they that's their life, you know, and they uh, my mother, a friend of hers um, was uh, profoundly disabled, um, cerebral palsy. And uh, we went to one of these puppy raising places that uh, raises these service animals and the work that they put in. It's it's worth all twenty to thirty thousand dollars that it takes to uh, to get these dogs up to where they need to be, and the fact that they just give that to vets—that's very cool on their part. A very very worthy charity. Absolutely, you know, if we didn't see it firsthand what these guide dogs do for for vets, uh, we might have went went in a different direction. But since we've been involved with this and really researching and and see where where we can provide our, our our best support and 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 I'm glad we chose a Wisconsin based company that provides these dogs not only for Wisconsin vets but also also nationwide um I don't know I know there's a lot of great organizations out there for PTSD but this helps with our mission statement mm -hmm. to provide that type of uh service for these vets and and have these dogs go to these vets so these vets are not alone and that's when your risk occurs is is when uh whether if, if it's a vet or an at-risk teen or adult uh when, when you're alone that's when um the darkness comes in yeah that's uh, when that's when you hear things that's when you see things that's when you relive things and those things um it it's in your head you know there's no running away from it it's there so these dogs, they can sense that they, they, they can smell that adrenaline and they just run up and they get in your face and they let you know, hey, 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 the real thing is right here. You know, and it's uh, it you can look up videos on YouTube. Um, our, our audience who's listening to this uh, interview now, you can look up videos on, on YouTube of these dogs in action. And it is it not only is it amazing to see how the dog reacts, but 
it is amazing to see how it calms down the person going through those episodes. Um, th- those dogs are uh, that that training is amazing. Uh, w- what they can accomplish. Correct. You know, just to reinforce what you just said, uh, we had the exact same experience whenever we saw a vet talking to them. You know, they would get agitated and 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 start really getting stressed. Uh, the dog knew that instantly, jumped up on their lap, and it just calms it right down. It, yeah. It's a miracle. It, yeah. it, it's it, a very, it, it, it really is. Yeah. Um, now you had mentioned some of the educational efforts that um, your organization's engaged in as far as um, telling people what to look out for if they know someone who's dealing with PTSD. What are some of the common signs that somebody may be in need of some help? Well, <clears throat> I can only speak with my experience uh, with our son, John. Um, you know, towards the last, you know, four months of his life, uh, that in addition with the training, um, you know, they, I hate to say they're obvious signs, but they're obvious signs, but typically they're so spread out where no one really looks at them as a group saying there's a problem here. Mm -hmm. Um, different moods, um, suddenly, um, want to be alone all the time or in the dark. Um, not really outreaching to friends, um, being bullied in school. Uh, th- that's a huge problem that's got to stop in, in, this, in this world today. Um, you know, things like their, their demeanor totally changes. Um, those are the obvious signs. Uh, with, with John, and in order for me to provide training, you know, I need to be honest with, with what happened with John is, you know, John was lonely. Um, he didn't reflect that, but if, if you talk to some of his friends and some of his uh, supervisors, if you put them all together, if, if everybody would have talked, there was an obvious issue. And, um, you know, he, he got into some dark places, as, you know, uh, suicide survivors and PTSD members will, will tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, what you need to do when you recognize these things is immediately confront the person. Um, you need really need to go out of your shell. Um, I've gone through training through through Living Works Assist program. It, it was a, a couple day uh, training uh, down at Fort McCoy. They also have a five day training I'll be going to and, and providing that knowledge to the community. But you really got to get out of your shell and approach the person and let them know that you're there for them. Um, you know, research research has shown that uh, people that are at risk really don't want to take their own life. They want someone to help them, but they have no idea. They get in such a dark place that they can't pull, their, pull themselves out. And there's signs uh, all the way through. Um, in my son's case, it was uh, uh, in my son's case, one of the obvious signs is on, on his Twitter feed, you know, the day he took his life, uh, he, he posted something on Twitter that says, uh, fair winds and following seas, my friends, until we meet again. Mm-hmm. Well, now knowing that and looking back, you can see where, you know, someone could have, could have stepped in. And this training shows you how to look for these subtle signs. Even though they might be subtle, it's worth asking a question to this person. Are you okay? Can I come on over and see you? Um, with social media these days, I think it's really enhanced the, the issue from 16 to 20, 23 to 25 year olds. 
and and you see it everywhere across the nation you know that's probably the most at-risk unit uh, uh, civilians yeah. other than military of course and I'll encourage all parents and friends to get on their kids' social media. I, I was not on Twitter. You know, I, I did not see that post. Um, get on your kids' social media. You're not spying on them. You're not wondering what they're doing. But it's a safety factor that if you see something like that, speak up and approach the person. Um, now, Dan, were you enlisted at any point? Did you serve in the military? I was not, no. Um, I haven't either. Um, I'm a type one diabetic. I've never been eligible to serve. I was diagnosed at 10. Uh, the recruiters were like, nope, you stay home. We're going to have people who uh, can do without insulin do this thing. So, um, we find ourselves in a spot where when we're talking to a friend who served overseas and they, and maybe they are exhibiting those signs, how do we as civilians, um, re how do we express that level of understanding or or, or, or or reach out to somebody who's seen and gone through things that you and I can only imagine as civilians. What, what's a good step to approach that? Well, to be clear, what I'll be going out and teaching the community is suicide first aid. Mm -hmm. And it, it is exactly how it sounds. If you see someone at risk, um, be with them for that moment and get them help immediately. Um, have the professionals take over that care. However, when you're at a situation of, of suicide first aid, listen to them, talk to them, let them do most of the talking. They will open up with you. Ask open-ended questions so they keep talking to you. Um, if you see them not liking a question that you're asking, um, ask it in a different way. You know, just keep them communicating. What you need to do is get their mind in a, in a corrected phase where they um, you know, if they say, you know, it, it's really not worth me having, having me around anymore, get them thinking, well, I do have this and this and this to look forward to. And that's where your questions come in. You know, do, do you have an animal that, that you take care of that, that might need you tomorrow? Um, what type of family members support you? Um, and then once you get that, them talking in a in a different tone then start having them say okay who, who can who can I call to help you out it could be a friend it could be a family member it could be a counselor that they're already going through make that call for them come up with this with a recovery plan within the next 24 hours that they're gonna follow through and and I'll urge don't leave that person alone until they have someone else that can come and be with them um, last summer or this past summer, I should say, we did a, um, a series of broad fries. We're raising money for, uh, the Northwoods veterans post, um, so that they can provide a space and provide a place for you know, seminars like yours, sure. uh, where you can show up and do your thing. And, um, I ran into, I mean, I, I, I don't have enough fingers to count the number of uh, vets and active duty that I've run into who have told me their story. Um, it was either them or a guy in their unit who was going through some stuff. And uh, I remember one group of fellas um, up in Merrill and they're like, yeah, man, we've got a whole network. We, we call and we check up on these guys and they have it, they have it scheduled to a T because I know they know some guys need those checkups a bit more often than others. Um, there was uh, another fellow I ran into at the, uh, the sawmill up in Merrill. Very good stout there, by the way, not sure if you're a beer guy, but they make a good stout. 
But uh, he uh, served in Afghanistan, and um, he lost more comrades to PTSD suicide than he did to enemy fire. And, uh, the, you know, as a civilian, um, if you're separated from this issue, you can look at that 22 and say, come on, how? That's how, though, man. They go through some stuff and they see some stuff that, again, as civilians, it, it's tough for us to truly comprehend. But I think you're right. I think you, you listen, you ask questions, and you just keep them looking forward to the next thing. And I, I think that's how you get it done. Absolutely. You know, and and the 22 suicides a day, you know, and the 22 push-ups is a very telling thing. Um, you know, with our military, you know, we ask a lot of them to go over, fight for our freedoms. Uh, the least we can do is support them when they come home through all of these programs and, you know, encourage everybody to volunteer, uh, you know, for any military uh, suicide prevention, anything, anything that you can do to help. Um, I'll guarantee you that most everybody listening knows someone that has taken their own life or has PTSD in the military. And just by t attending any type of training, um, you know, it, it might be a day out of your life. But imagine if you could save one person for the rest of your life. If everybody did that, we could eliminate that 22 very quickly. Yeah. And that person, they get on the other side of that. Maybe they can save somebody too. Absolutely. That, that's what we do. Um, so, Dan, if someone wants to learn more about the JDL Foundation and how they can help, what's the best way to go about that? Um, we do have a website and Facebook page. Our website is jdlfoundation.com. And our website is jonathandaniellumafoundation.com. Um, we have annual fundraisers, uh, our golf outing in September, uh, where, where we provide most of our funding um, for our area uh, outreach programs. Um, so really, you can donate on the page as well. Uh, so, so please do that. Um, our administrative costs are very low. It's all volunteer work. Uh, no one gets paid for what we do. And most of the money goes directly to where it's supposed to go, our outreach programs. Very good. Uh, Dan, um, our condolences on your loss. Um, it, it's, it, it sounds like we lost one of the good guys and we lose a lot of good guys and, and good women to this thing every day, an average of 22. But uh, by working together, by getting the word out, by getting in people's faces and letting them know that, yes, you can help, you can step up, um, you can get these men and women on the other side of this thing. Um, th this foundation will save lives, man. And we thank you for picking up the, uh, the banner and moving forward with it. On behalf of our board, especially our family, we definitely appreciate all the support that we've gotten thus far. There's so much more to do. You know, we could have very easily, after the last memorial service, just kind of went on with our lives. But it didn't seem right. We wanted to do more so no one ever has to go through this again, whether civilian or military. And that's what gives us our drive today. Dan, we thank you for doing that. That is uh, Dan Luma. He is the president of the Jonathan Daniel Luma Foundation. You can pick him up online, jdlfoundation.com. Thank you again, Dan, for coming in. Thank you.